Good morning. Let's stand together as we worship the Lord through song. Let's worship him this morning. Worthy of worship and praise. Let's sing this out. Worthy of worship, worthy of praise, worthy of today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Also, we want to wish all of our dads a special Happy Father's Day. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. We have scheduled a baptismal service on Sunday, July 16th. Please see Pastor Rad if you would like to be baptized or if you have any questions about baptism. Don't miss the annual FBC member meeting after the worship gathering on Sunday, June 25th. We'll be voting on deacon candidates and on the budget for the new fiscal year. Join us for a great time of celebrating God's goodness on FBC over the last year. VBS is Monday through Friday of this week from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. 
children ages 4 to 12 can register in person the night or online at fbcwixom.org forward slash VVS. We could also use your help as a volunteer or with snack and candy donations. There will be no adult or teen midweek gatherings this week. If you have any questions, please see Johnny Martin after the morning gathering. There are no community group gatherings tonight. Community groups will start back at 6 p.m. next Sunday evening. If you are not yet connected with a Sunday p.m. community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet most Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. In just a few minutes, we'll be dismissing children four years through third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you would like more info about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. everyone. It's great to see you. Happy Father's Day to you today. I want to mention before we open with a word of prayer that next Sunday morning at 945 during the Sunday school hour, we'll be starting two summer classes. So one class will be called College and Career. That is for 18 to 25 year olds. And um, that will be led by Eric Jacobs and Eric Hutton. And so we look forward to that class going all throughout the summer and perhaps even into the school year, depending on the number of uh, young people that are still here. Uh, But please, if you're in that age category, we'd love to have you participate in the College and Career Sunday School class starting next Sunday morning, the 25th at 945. Also, starting next Sunday morning at 945 is our summer marriage and parenting Sunday school class. And we have been doing this the last several summers and just found that this is very fruitful and helpful for our young couples. Um, But really, any married couple is welcome to attend. And in fact, um, having a couple older married couples who've already raised their children is helpful as well to encourage some of our younger couples. So marriage and parenting Sunday school class that will last all summer long. That is, starts next Sunday morning as well at 945. We hope that you will join us for that. Would you join me in prayer this morning as we get started with our worship time together this morning? Father, we're so grateful that you are worthy. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy this morning for us to bow our knee before you and to pause in the busyness of our lives, to think on your goodness And to applaud your character. Lord, today we remember your word that says we are not only to rejoice, but we are to praise you at all times. And so this morning as we think about who you are, a good, good father to us, that we would praise you and applaud this in you. Help us also to lean into you as your sons and daughters. And help us to glorify you as we worship your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that we have in Jesus' 
thank you for the privilege and the, the freedom that we have to worship him freely today. Help us to do so in spirit and in truth. We pray in his name. Amen. We see the great shepherd in our Savior, Jesus Christ, just like a father would guide his family, as he should. We have a great God in heaven who is guiding us as our heavenly father and leading us as our shepherd. Let's sing this out together. Let's stand as we sing out, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Watch me need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures we comes. For our use thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, I me Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, I we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to Thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn discussing this in Sunday school this morning, mentioning the fact that just like I would want my kids to reciprocate love by seeing their father demonstrate love to them, that's exactly what God wants from us. He has demonstrated his love in the fact that he sent Jesus Christ to be uh, the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel. He has been that payment of sin for us. And we have the opportunity to reciprocate that love by showing him and worshiping him as our loving heavenly father but we see in that gospel plan how deep the father's love for us truly is let's sing this out how deep the father's love for us how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son his treasure, how great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one, bring many sons to glory, behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice. Lord. 
song in just a second, but I want to talk about it for a second because it's really been an anthem of my heart over the last several months, and it's a great reflection of what we can do as believers here today, is the fact that we look back on our lives and we see over and over again the amazing love that our Heavenly Father has in our lives, not just by the demonstration of that love through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us through the gospel, but every single day being there for us, providing for us, giving us grace, giving us mercy. We have nothing to offer a great and mighty God. So the best thing we can do is throw up our hands and praise him again and again, showing our gratitude. I will worship you. 
song this morning. Psalm 68, if you would, please. Psalm number 68. On Sunday mornings, we've been going through what we call a theology in psalms, albums of worship. The psalms are unique, as you know, in that they point our attention to who God is. And they also remind us of what we should do. And this really is what a theology is about. It's a study of God that answers the questions, who is God and who am I in response? What am I to do in response to his character? This morning, we're going to talk about the fact that God is our father. And this morning, I'm a little concerned that we will just kind of take that as trite, that that's a convenient connection on Father's Day and we will just see it as Maybe a little bit of a comfort that God is Father. But what I want you to understand this morning, church, is that this characteristic of God is absolutely essential. In the 19th century, actually, uh, biblical scholars really began wrestling with this deeply. And answering this question, what makes Christianity unique? What makes following Jesus Christ a unique faith? That's a big question, and it's complicated and somewhat nuanced in its answers, and we could maybe spend all year talking about that question. But what I want you to see this morning is one of the things, one of the key elements that makes our faith unique is that our God is our Father, and He wants a relationship with us. Now, you might say, 
Well, hold on a second, Brad. Like, I thought Jesus is what made our faith unique. I thought the fact that what, was, what happened on the cross finished it. That it's done. That there's nothing I have left to do. That it's about Jesus. That's what makes it unique. But I want you to see how these two things are intricately connected. There's a, there's a passage of scripture you're very familiar with. It. It's John 14, 6. Listen to what Jesus said. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We might stop and say, okay, Jesus, what, the way to what? what? What kind of life are you talking about? What's the goal? No man does what? Comes to the Father except or but by me. He implies that making a way to come to the Father is the purpose of his ministry. That's the goal. Get to the Father. That's the ultimate quest of Christianity. And Jesus says, I'm the way. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. But you've got to understand that for you to have a relationship with Him, you have to come through me. Knowing the Father personally is the life. This is the goal. This is the quest of Christianity. You see, sometimes we oversimplify and we say, well, you know, it's about getting lost souls to heaven. But understand that heaven is not heaven unless the Father's there, right? We think about the, the three Hebrew children. You remember the story of them in the fiery furnace? That's a terrible place to be unless God's there with you. And if God's there with you, then it's no, no worries. It's just like a picnic in a park, right? It's about the presence of God. And you know this, in Romans chapter 8, when Paul is explaining having the Holy Spirit within you, he says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. If you're not familiar with that phrase, it actually shows up three times in Scripture. And it's the closest thing we have to it is Daddy, but it's, it's an emotional, close relationship. So the Holy Spirit... Paul says, is within us, crying out, Abba, Father, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So what Paul is again reiterating is this. The whole point is not to keep you out of hell. The whole point of Jesus coming and dying on the cross is that God might be your Abba, Father. That you have a relationship with God. In fact, my favorite gospel tract and the one that is out on our discipleship counter out there ask this questions on the front how would you describe your relationship with god because the purpose of jesus is to bring you into relationship with god to reconcile a broken relationship with god the payoff of coming from death to life by way of jesus is that you now have a personal relationship with the father this is what makes heaven heaven. And by the way, what his absence is what makes hell hell. An absence from the Father. And so this idea of being with the Father, having a relationship with the Father, being in the presence of the Father, this is the ultimate quest of Christianity. So the fatherhood of God is one of the main themes of our psalm this morning, which is Psalm number 68. It's one of the main themes. We're going to actually just look at the first six verses today. This is considered by Bible scholars to be 
one of David's loftiest songs. In fact, some scholars would argue that Psalm 68 is the pinnacle of all Hebrew poetry of all time. It's an amazing chapter, and it is incredibly rich. And I think you'll see that even just in the first six verses, there's, there's more here that we can talk about. But this morning, for sake of time, we'll just focus on these first six. Would you follow along, please, as I read them this, this morning? These are the words of God. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them, be, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name Jah. And rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Would you pray with me that the Lord would give us understanding this morning as we come to his word? Father, we're so grateful that you've given us your word and that it is clear. And that we can understand it in our own language. But Lord, we confess this morning that our minds cannot plumb the depths of your truth. Like we, we can't even quiet them enough to concentrate on what is being spoken today. Without your Holy Spirit, Lord, this is empty exercise. And so we yield ourselves to you and to the Holy Spirit. We humble ourselves and submit ourselves under you and under your word, and we ask that you would shine the light of the Holy Spirit's illumination on your word today, that we would get it. And that we'd walk away from this place understanding what you want us to do. Help us to forget the words of man today and hear the words of God. May it change our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've considered in this series of messages, which has really started at the very beginning of 2023, 21 different characteristics of God. And I want you just to think about a couple of them. We've talked about the fact that He is eternal creator, that He is fearsome and holy and just in His judgment, that He is the warrior king of kings. Here's the truth. God is the God of gods. He is fearsome. He's the commander of heaven's armies. He's the almighty controller of all creation. But he's not just these frightening and amazing things. The question this morning is, who is God to you personally? Who is he to you personally? And by the way, you've got you to get this right. This is a really important question. In A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a pretty powerful statement. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the most important fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he is in his deep heart or what, what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians 
that composes the church. In other words, if your view of God is wrong, your life will be wrong. Can you help me with that statement? If your view of God is wrong, your life will be what? Wrong. And then what he goes on to say is, if your view of God is wrong, your church will be wrong. It'll be wrong. Aren't you glad that when we gather together for musical worship, we hear truthful songs, biblical songs that remind us of who God is and of his worthiness and of the fact that we are just sinners begging for his mercy at the foot of the cross and he gives it time and time and time again. If your view of God is wrong, your church will be wrong, your worship will be wrong. So it's worth asking this question, what was Jesus' view of God? Like what did, what did he think when he we just said, hey, talk to me about God, Jesus. What was the first thing that popped into his mind? Well, if you're familiar with the discourses of the gospel, you know that over a hundred times he talks about God as Father. God is my Father and God wants to be your Father. You see, his relationship intentions with us is to go much deeper than awe and respect and fear. Remember Isaiah viewing God high and lifted up in the temple and the fear? Isaiah says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I'm undone. I'm about to die. I've seen God. That's the fear side. But our relationship with God goes much, much deeper in that he wants to be Father. And Father is a special relationship. You see, a king doesn't get up in the middle of the night to get just anybody a drink of water, right? Only his children, only his son. The warrior, when he returns from battle, doesn't just let anybody crawl up on his lap. Just his son, just his children. The father relationship is powerful and deep. And in spite of the awe and fear and reverence that we have for who God is, we're to see him, as Romans chapter 8 says, as dad, as father, as Abba. This is a really important balance. Because if God is father to you, then you and I, we get to have a relationship with sovereignty. Think about that. You and I get to have a relationship with creator, a relationship with warrior king, a relationship with judge. And so really what David's getting after in this passage is that we get to have a relationship with God. And that is the point. Relationship. This is the core of who we are in Christ. Maybe you had or have a great father. I was blessed with a great father. I'm grateful for that. But maybe your earthly father was not so great. Maybe he was absent or abusive or unfair or just plain antagonistic. Can I just tell you that's not the kind of father we have in God? In fact, one of the problems with the breakdown of the family in America is that people have lost a healthy view of fatherhood. Like, what does it look like? What, what should a father-son relationship look like or father-daughter relationship look like? And that way, I have a context for understanding what kind of relationship God wants to have with me. You see, young people in the room this morning, you have a huge advantage in your understanding of who God is if you have a faithful dad. 
And that's what makes this day really special for Christian young people. It's not just a day to be extra nice to dad, but it's a day to thank God for your dad. And it's a day to encourage godliness in your father. It's a great advantage for you. Our relationship with God the Father is unconditional and permanent. And His love, Scripture says in Psalm 103, is from generation to generation, is everlasting. So these first six verses really give us two perspectives, and, and they are this. One, you have a group of people who have no personal relationship with God, and you have a group of people who God is Father. No personal relationship and God is Father. So let's just look at these two just divisions really quickly. Number one, the isolation of the wicked. Notice what he says at the beginning. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. So what David here is not just hoping for something here. David was actually praying truth. In fact, some modern translations and maybe what you have in your lap says this. God shall arise. He's arising. God is coming. Judgment is coming on the wicked, and they will flee from the holy presence of God. Remember this in Romans chapter 1, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them, that judgment is coming, the wrath of God is coming. As it was in the days of Noah, Judgment is coming in the personal return of Jesus Christ. Do you think about that? Judgment is coming in the personal return of Jesus. Would you just worship Jesus for just a second with me and think about that moment? Think about that moment. Here it is described for us in Revelation chapter 19 starting in verse number 11. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true And in righteousness he doth judge and make war, and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings, Lord of lords. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him. Imagine the audacity, the pride And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. What is this description about? It's about those that try to stand up to God. They will be scattered, as this psalm says. What a great prayer of truth. In fact... I would just challenge you, this is a great prayer for America today. That we can say, hey, you know what? Let God arise. Let Jesus return. Let our master stand up from his throne and come back for final redemption of his people. Let God arise. It's not just that we want those that are wicked to be driven away or uh, melted like wax, this says. But think about our big enemies, the, the real enemies, sin and hell and death and Satan and the forces of evil, those real enemies that when Jesus returns, they will just be scattered, blown away like smoke, melted like wax. This is the lot of those that are isolated from God. And this is really important to this psalm, okay? So pay attention for me, with me for just a second. 
which is really important to this psalm because what David is doing is he's setting us up to understand how awesome it is to have God as Father. Because if God is just judge and he's returning in terror and judgment and fire and a sword and the lake of fire and hell and all these terrible things, if, if judgment is coming in these things only, then what a fearsome God he is. But that's for the wicked. It's different for family. It's different for us. You see, we see the coming of God, the return of Jesus, with joy, with reunion, with victory, and with this word, relationship. He's coming back for us, that we can meet the Father face to face. So I want you to see the inclusion of the righteous. Notice, first of all, their worship. Their worship. Verse number three, let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice. Listen to these words. Gladness and rejoicing before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Let them sing. Sing praises and extol him that rides upon the heavens. And rejoice before him. This is an incredible description of worship and joy and peace and relationship. Are you, are you close to anyone in authority? Have you ever been close to someone in authority? When I was a little kid, my dad was the principal of our school. So he was like the most powerful person I knew. You know what I'm saying? And I remember my friends living in fear of my father. You know, they were like, oh, don't, don't talk to that guy. He might give you a demerit or you'll be in detention or he'll make you clean the buses or we don't talk. They lived in fear of him. But my brothers and I, we didn't live in fear of him unless we were in trouble. But most of the time, dad was dad. This was the guy that, you know, gave us whisker rubs and carried us to bed. We had tickle fights with this guy. You know, there's, there's not fear. There's relationship. That's my dad. And, and this is really what David is setting us up. He said, there's, to some, to the wicked, God the Father is fearsome. They do well to quake in their boots, so to speak. But for us, who refer to him as dad... It's not fearful, it's rejoicing. He's coming back. He's coming to get us. He is amazing. He's holy. And he's righteous. And he hates sin. And he will cast evil into the lake of fire. But he also wants to be your father. He loves you. So be glad. Rejoice. Yea, exceedingly rejoice. Sing to him. Extol him. Why? Because he wants to have a relationship with you. So let's just think about this relationship for just a minute. Number one, he's a father to the fatherless. What does that mean? What does it mean for God to be your father? Can you think with me for just a second about the best human dad you know? Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your best friend's dad. The best human dad you know, God the father exceeds this goodness to the nth degree. As verse 19 in our text says, he, he's the kind of father who daily loads his children with benefits. Can I just give you three real quick benefits of having God as father? And by the way, dads, here's some lessons for us in this as well. Number one, passionate protection. When you think of fatherhood, when you think of a healthy relationship between a father and his children, one of them is this, that he is a passionate protector of them. 
If you love, you protect. A father will protect his children from anything that will harm them. If it's a dude on the front porch with a baseball bat, you would protect from him. But can I just challenge you, dads? I feel the same way about drugs and alcohol and sexual sin and and a whole bunch of other things that harm our kids. Your job is to protect them. And God does this for us. He sees things that ruin our lives and he hates it for our sake. Love cares enough to protect with compassionate anger and God is angry with sin every day because it's hurting his children. Passionate protection, number two, compassionate love. Compassionate love. We read about compassionate love in Psalm 103 where the psalmist says, Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You know what this feeling is, right? This is a, this is a very emotional word. This is not the way that we think of pity. This is a, like a visceral reaction. Dads, you've probably experienced this before. Okay? Mari and I have experienced this before. Here it is. Your kid is lost or sick or hurt badly. And they're in the ambulance and you're in the car behind it. You know what I'm saying? As a dad, and you're like, your gut is just wrenched. And you think, I, I, I would take their place. I will take that diagnosis for them, Lord. I'll take that broken bone for them, Lord. I'll take that illness for them, Lord. If, if I'll go lost if you'll let them be found. Right? It's that gut-wrenching love that a father has for his children. You know what I'm talking about? That's pity. And this is what the psalmist says in Psalm 103. Like as a father feels this in his gut for his children... It rips his heart out. It brings tears to his eyes. That way, that's how the Lord thinks about those that fear him. He knows how weak they are. And he has compassion on them. He knows how much they need love. And he gives it generously. So, passionate protection, compassionate love. And can I just give you one other one? Psalm 103 actually alludes to this just a little bit. It talks about the fact that man is like grass and Grass, when it dies and gets the, the roots get pulled out of the dirt, and you look at the dirt, you can't even tell it was there. Right? So I don't know if, about you. I I've, haven't been back to the place I grew up in a long, long time. I don't think it remembers me. You know what I'm saying? Like if I came into Marshalltown, Iowa and said, hey, I'm back, nobody would care. Right? But it's not Marshalltown, Iowa for me that is home. Home has always been where my parents were. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, my parents moved right after I graduated from high school, like the, a week or two after I graduated from high school. And so when I came home from college the first time, I had to ask for directions. Like, I wasn't sure where I was going. But I still referred to it as what? Home. Because that's where mom and dad were. That's home. In fact, it's funny. My brothers, my brothers don't live in Wixom, but they sometimes slip and refer to Wixom as home. None of them have ever lived here. But this is where mom's at. See what I'm saying? So our parents are really the ultimate definition of home. The ultimate definition of home. This is what God wants to be for his own. 
I just want to be with the Father. I just want to run to Him. I just want to be in His arms. I just want to be in His presence. For me, that is home. What a privilege to call God our Father. But He's not just a Father to the fatherless. I want you to see secondly in verse 5 that He is the defender of widows. A judge or defender of widows is God in His holy habitation. And you might say, okay, wait a minute, what does that have to do with fatherhood? Well, I want you to see that this is His heart. This is God's heart. Remember in James 1, 27, pure religion and undefiled before the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows. And can we just think about this for just a second? Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Brad, life has me beat down. I'm a little bit discouraged. Can I just remind you, God is moving towards you. His heart is to help the helpless. His, help, his heart is to defend the hurting. God loves you. He didn't just, as Jeremy said this morning, he didn't just demonstrate that love on the cross. He demonstrates that love every single day. He loves you as a defender of widows. Number three, he's the maker of new families. He sets the solitary, the psalmist says, in families. What a beautiful part of the gospel. Would you think with me for just a second? The gospel is mercy and what? Grace, mercy on the negative end and grace on the positive end. And the gospel is like this. And he says it here. He sets the solitary, those that are alone, that's kind of a negative, in families, the positive. Colossians chapter 1, he delivers from darkness and puts us into the kingdom of what? Of light, negative to positive. And here, in this phrase, he talks about family. Isn't family an awesome thing? Like, I have, I've been blessed with a close family, extended family. But there's nothing quite like being with your immediate family. There's nothing quite like it. And there's nothing quite like being with the family of God. Right? Yesterday, we had the opportunity to hang out, some of the men in the church, a bunch of us together for several hours, just hanging out together. There's nothing like Christian brotherhood and sisterhood. There's nothing like it. And what the psalmist says here is God takes the lonely and he puts them in families. Some of you might have that testimony and say, you know what? Without the church, I'm very lonely. This is my family. You guys are it. Family reunion every Sunday morning. That's okay. God does that. He takes the solitary and he sets them in families. Paul refers to this um, this idea of negative to positive in Ephesians chapter 4, where he says that he, Jesus, when he ascended up on high, <clears throat> he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. In other words, he rescued us, but he didn't just rescue us, he just gave us unbelievable amounts of blessings. He rescued us, but he gave us these incredible blessings. Every good gift and every perfect gift does come down from the Father of light. He's ready to bless you. He wants you to experience deep relationship with him and his family. And then lastly, he's a rescuer of the oppressed. Verse 6, he brings out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about dad. Think about your dad for just a second. Dads are not contemporaries with us, right? They're, they're always older than us. And because they're always older than us, they usually have more resources, more authority, and more power to fix problems. So usually, when we're young, if we need a problem fixed, we go to dad. 
He's got the resources. He's got the strength. He, he can do it. He can manage this. He's got the experience to handle this challenge. Dads do for their kids what the kids cannot do for themselves. And by the way, dads, doesn't that bring you a lot of joy? I mean, it's a cool thing when your kids come to you and say, hey, I can't figure this out. Can you do this for me? Can you help me with this? When your kids need you and you're able to come through, it brings great joy. And can I just tell you that this is the heart of the Father. He wants us to need Him and He wants to supply those needs. Think about the prayer of Jesus. How did it start when Jesus said, pray this way, our what? Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right there you see the holiness of God and the relationship in that very first couple of phrases. And then He says, give us this day our daily breads. We need some stuff, Dad. Can you please provide for us? If you're hurting or oppressed or in bondage or lonely today, come to the Father. He's waiting for you to embrace deeper relationship. You remember the, the story in the New Testament of the prodigal son? Remember that story? The, the story, if, you, just, if I could just remind you really quick, it's all about telling the Pharisees to quit being brats. That's all, the whole story is about it. It's for religious people. It's for religious people who watch God forgive the unforgivable. And they pout about it. And they say, well, that's not fair. That person's not worth the blood of Jesus. This is, this is why Jesus told the story. He was, he was using the older brother as an illustration of religious people who are bratty. That's the whole point. But in the story, we learn all kinds of cool things. And one of the things we learn about the Father is that he's, he's waiting, like every single day, week after week after week, he's waiting for his son to return. And his son deserves nothing. Nothing. He's abused his father. He's abused his brother. He's desecrated their family name. He's probably dragged the name of the village through the mud. Like this young man deserves nothing. And what, but what does the Father do? He waits patiently for his son to return why because it's all about relationship and there's so many humans that would do well to learn from that story to stop running from god stop running go to the father i like this song i'm going to just read it to you before we close today it's called run to the father listen to these words i've carried a burden for too long on my own and i i wasn't created to bear it alone I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see now, so I'm laying it down. Listen to this phrase. And I know that I need you. I need relationship. I need the Father. You saw my condition. Had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption. The price for my heart. And I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't even understand it. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. My heart has been in your sights long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running from, to life from death. And I, I feel this rush deep in my chest. Your mercy is calling out, just as I am, you pull me in, and I know that I need you. I run to the Father and fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again, and again. There's so many applications to this truth that God wants to be Father, but can I just give you 
a few in closing today, just really quick applications that maybe we can take with us today. Okay, so number one is this. Make sure you're one of his sons or daughters. Make sure he's your father. Galatians chapter 4 is another passage that talks about this Abba Father and says that God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba Father. Does he? Can I just ask you a question this morning? Just an introspective question. Is the Holy Spirit in you right now saying, Father, I want to be closer? That's a scary and convicting question. Because if not, what Paul says is you can assume the Holy Spirit's not there. When the Holy Spirit is within a person's heart, they say, I want to be closer to the Father. I want to reach out to Abba, to Daddy. I want to be in close relationship as a true son of God. Are you? Number two, live pure lives that honor Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, listen to this. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and I will be a father unto you. What are the conditions in 2 Corinthians chapter 6? Separate yourself from wickedness so that you can have a right relationship with your father. Some of us might need to let go of some pet sins that are holding us back. Like a good dad, the father wants us to put down what is hurting us. Put that knife down. Put that flame down. Don't touch that. It's going to hurt you. What is hurting you spiritually today? Would you think about that for just a second? What is hurting you spiritually today? Most of us have something in our lives that we can... We think long enough, we can go to and say, you know what, that's just not helping me. That's not drawing me into closer relationship with my father. It's a habit. It's an addiction. It's just something that's dragging me down. It's a besetting sin. It's time to let go of it. Trust the father. Thirdly, fathers, would you follow his example? Do you remember in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, what we're told to do, fathers? Provoke not your children to wrath, but do what? Bring them up in the nurture and what? Admonition of the Lord, the nurture and admonition. Can I just tell you that God actually demonstrates this? Here's nurture. Nurture is cheering on good stuff. You remember Jesus at his baptism in Matthew chapter 3? I think this is super cool. Matthew chapter 3. What miracles has Jesus done recorded in the gospel by Matthew chapter 3? Anybody know? Nothing. No miracles. No cross. No real preaching. Jesus hasn't done anything in recorded history at all in Matthew chapter 3. And he's at his baptism and he comes up out of the water and they hear a voice from heaven saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well pleased. He hasn't done anything yet. At least not recorded And yet the father says, that is my boy. He's going to make all of the difference in the entire world for all eternity. And he's cheering it on already. And by the way, dads, I think this is something that we should be doing. Okay? And sometimes when you look at your son, you think, will he ever (laughs) grow up? Will this boy ever be a man? I think we should follow the example of God. Hey, you know what? I see a little spark there. I'm going to cheer it on. You someday are going to make a difference. Right? That's nurturing. It's encouraging growth. But secondly, dads, let's follow this example. Correct your children. 
correct your children. This is admonition. Passive dads love themselves. Did you hear that? Passive dads love themselves. They don't love their kids. Proverbs 3 says this, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. So the Lord chastens those he loves. For the Lord corrects those he loves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Do you delight in your child? Then correct them, dads. It is your job to step in and say, No, this isn't what we do. This is what we do. Correct them. This is the example set by God. So fathers, follow his example. And then lastly today, and briefly, can I just tell you, you are loved today. If you feel unloved, every single Christian, every single believer is loved. Listen to 1 John 3, 1. Behold, behold, check this out, John says. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called, do you know how it ends? The sons of God. (laughs) You, a son of God? Me? A son of God, behold what love that took to be called the son of God. You are loved today. Your earthly father might have been a failure. Can I just tell you, your heavenly father is perfect and he loves you. If your earthly father was a good picture of the heavenly father, thank him today and thank the Lord for him. God is our father. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for cheering us on even though we constantly fall down and fail. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for setting an example to us. Thank you for giving us your only begotten son. And thank you for adopting us into your family. We can't even wrap our brains around what it means to be joint heirs with Christ. But you've done it. You loved us enough to do it. To bring us into your family and to love us as your own children. Thank you for that. Lord, if nothing else this morning, would you just help us to rejoice in the fact that you have invited us into a personal relationship. Thank you for that. Help us to enjoy that today, even as we celebrate our earthly fathers. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing our last song today, I think it's very fitting. And we sing the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, just like we would expect uh, a loving father to be consistent and to help us. God is always there and faithful to see us through any situation. Let's stand together as we sing out, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated for just a moment, if you would. You know, it's our tradition on Father's Day and Mother's Day to introduce you to some of the little ones in the church and pray over them. And so this morning, we've got a couple um, that we're going to have come up today. First of all, Titus Blazik. Come on up, Blaziks. Love Girls, why don't you guys come up too? I, you got, we're all friends and family. Let's all come up. So we have Titus Blazik and Alexi Lovegrove today, and a super big honor to introduce them to you and to pray over them this morning. Come on up. Got the whole family with both. Come on up, ladies. Both these two little ones have two big sisters. It's such a blessing as a church to have families, men leading their families, and wives mothering their children for God's glory. Isn't it a blessing? These six little ones, all of them, bring so much joy to so many of us in church. Thank you for letting us come around you as a church family and love on your kids. This morning we want to pray for Titus and for Alexi. And I just want to just remind you of a couple of things about their name that maybe can trigger some prayer of your own for them. Titus actually means a title of honor. And as soon as I, I read that, I thought, you know, Philippians chapter 2, I love that passage in Philippians chapter 2 where it talks about Jesus is given a name above all names, right? The, the, the greatest title of honor, the Lord of Lords, Jesus. But here's the cool thing about that title. Jesus has been given a name above every name, and yet every one of us in here, I imagine, claims to be a Christian And that is the name of Jesus. We carry that title with us, Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. We carry that title with us. And so I was thinking about, there's a prayer in Colossians chapter 1. I love this passage in Colossians chapter 1 where Paul is praying for the believers. And he he gives several things that might be filled with the knowledge of his will. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. That you might be fruitful. That you might be strong. That you might be patient. That you might be thankful. And then he says, Because he's made you a partaker of his inheritance. Or in other words, that you would be worthy of being a a brother of Jesus. Think about that. Joint heirs with Christ, a fellow son of God. And that's my prayer for little Titus today. Yeah. That would be a good way to pray, right? That you and I would carry the name of Jesus well. Would you do that with me? Would you... Pray that for Titus. And, and, and Alexi, I just want to just talk about her name for just a second as well. Alexi was just born in January, and uh, super cool to have Alexi up here tonight. Her name means defender or helper. And I immediately thought about Alexi, about the women who supported Jesus and the women who supported the ministry of the Apostle Paul. You, you, you have to look pretty hard in Scripture to see them, but they're there. They're behind the scenes. Paul talks about them a couple, a couple of times. Philippians chapter 4 is one of those times where he says, The women which labored with me in the gospel, helpers. You know there are women right now, faithful women, who are helping us. They're in the nursery and in junior church, and they're serving, and they're taking care of our kids. And they're behind the scenes in sometimes thankless roles in the kitchen or in in some other area of teaching ministry, and we just kind of show up and assume things will be ready and clean and smell nice and whatnot, and it's those women behind the scenes. And I was just thinking that for Alexi, that'd be a great way to pray, right? Her name, her middle name, Lynn, actually means leader. Jesus said, here's how you lead, serve others. 
Right? That's what he said in Mark chapter 10, serve others. So can we just pray? Can we pray for these two little ones together this morning and ask God to bless their lives and their parents and to pray these things particularly? Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for the Blazics and the Love Groves and for their obvious love for you and for the strength that is within their families. We're grateful that we as a church can come around them and put our arms around them and encourage them and cheer them on as they nurture these young people for your glory. Thank you for the big sisters as well, for Brisbane and Aurora, for Hallie and for Nora. Thank you for the part that they'll play in these young lives. But this morning, Lord, we think particularly of Titus and we ask that you'd help him to bear your name well. Help all of us to do that. Help us to bear the name of Jesus well and walk worthy of his holiness and his purity. And for little Alexi, Lord, would you help her to be one of those faithful women that stands behind the scenes and serves and leads faithfully by helping others in ministry. Lord, for these families, we ask for your blessing, particularly for James and Nick as they celebrate Father's Day and as they continue to take on this role of leadership in their home, that you'll bless them. Thank you for them. Bless these two little lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you guys a quick gift here, a certificate and a Bible. Give the right one to the right couple here. There you go. How about a big round of applause for these two couples, these families? Thank you, guys. God bless you. You guys can head down. Okay. Thank you. What a blessing, huh? Today on your way out, there's donuts for every dad and more. Okay, so if you have a dad, you qualify as well. As long as there's donuts on the wall, we want you to grab one. There's a couple of photo spots as well. So take your time to dismiss today. Take some snapshots of your family. Enjoy fellowshipping with the church family. It was super good to have you here together for worship today. Have a happy Father's Day. God bless. You are dismissed. Thank you for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And He loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. An eternal life, the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven, in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin, and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want his death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.